It's Seacoast Real Talk with John Rice. Exploring Southern Maine and New Hampshire Seacoast real estate and real life. He's the recognized expert of the Seacoast market with the kind of insight that only comes with 47 years of experience. From Tate & Foss, Sotheby's International Realty in Rye, New Hampshire, it's John Rice. Thanks, Michelle. Looking forward to uh, working with you on this project. And Casey Gossam from Tate & Foss, thank you very much for your help as we move forward and uh, hopefully provide some wonderful insights on this lovely part of the world that, that I live in, the seacoast of New Hampshire, and which is right next door to the southern coast of Maine. So let's get started, Michelle. What do you have Absolutely. for me? Absolutely. All right. Well, so the name of the episode, Why Choose the Seacoast Lifestyle? You know, you've been in this business for almost 50 years. You have a very long track record of helping the community, and we'll get into details about that little by little. But at this point, you really know your stuff. And my first question to you is, someone who doesn't know this area, doesn't know New England, give an overview of New Hampshire and Maine, like the top three things that come to mind when you think of New Hampshire and the top three things that come to mind when you think of Maine. Someone comes down from another planet. What do you tell them about (laughs) New Hampshire and Maine? Well, I think when we're talking New Hampshire and we're talking the Portsmouth area, I think the thing that comes to mind, and I've been thinking about this for a while, is we live in a place that actually has a sense of place. You can walk down the main drag of Portsmouth Congress Street and feel good about yourself because you can connect to the past and actually see a path to the future as well. It's a little town of 23,000 people, and it represents a connection all the way back to George Washington, 1789, when he visited here. And today we see development in the West End and uh, development in the North End in uh, Portsmouth that's uh, very modern, very chic. And so there's something for everybody in this community. Starting off with that, Portsmouth has a sense of place. New Hampshire has so many things to do. Small seacoast, it's only 23 miles. But, you know, you start with the seacoast, you start with all kinds of things to do like golfing or boating. The arts are very strong here good schools, and good location. You are within a one-hour drive of Boston, less than an hour to Manchester, and less than an hour to Portland, Maine, three major airports there. So that's for starters. Back in the day when I moved to Portsmouth, which was in the early 70s, I came here because I felt that it was generating a sense of place. It was a place where entrepreneurs were welcome, burgeoning arts community. A lot of that is still true. But we also have, for example, out at Pease, there is something like 140 or more companies out there offering employment opportunities. So if you are in search of employment, certainly this is a great place to go. If you're searching for a place to retirement or just to live, in terms of the tax bite, New Hampshire has no income tax and we have a no sales tax. So uh, it's relatively inexpensive in that regard. If you are a, a family uh, that, and you are looking for a place that has great educational opportunities, we have one of the finest private schools in the world in Phillips Exeter Academy right there in, in Exeter. We also have outstanding public schools, Portsmouth High, Oyster River High School on the New Hampshire side. And all of these schools are doing very well, thank you very much, in terms of uh, placing their kids into 
college or there's a new, actually a new look now on the vocational side of things. And they're developing vocational programs that meet the needs of our community. Those are a few items just off the top of my head, which would provide you for a reason to live in New Hampshire. And there's much more I could go into, which Mm -hmm. is why I've lived here for so long. The main side of things offers a little bit different lifestyle, a little more room to spread out. If you're looking for a house with more acreage, that's a place to go. If you're looking for an even more small town, rural feel, even though those small towns like York Village and Kittery Point and Elliott and so forth uh, have become more sophisticated than they were 10, 20 years ago, these small towns still offer that small town feel where you can go down to the town square and, and see Joe and Susie and all the other people that you know and reckon give them a greeting and uh, so people know your name. When I think of Maine, I also think of beautiful sandy beaches, uh, York Beach, Seapoint Beach, just to name a few, Wells Beach, uh, beautiful beaches there. Then wonderful schools. The high schools in Maine have fantastic records, and most of them have been, are almost brand new. They've, they've been redone in the last couple of years. So they have a very good reputation. Of course, there's Berwick Academy up in South Berwick, the oldest private school in Maine. Also, the arts in Maine flourish, and you know all I have to do is say a Gunkwit Playhouse, and most people in the world have heard of a Gunkwit Playhouse and its Actors' Equity actors. And actually, I'll be heading up there on Thursday night for the show that Sally Struthers is uh, starring in Young Frankenstein. Uh, so I'm looking forward to a few laughs. Um, and they have uh, a matinee for old folks. So that's... <laughs> I love that. While we're talking about mm-hmm. Maine, just because we're talking about Southern Maine, what's the one difference between Southern Maine and the area you work with and the rest of Maine? Well, I can answer that somewhat intelligently since I go to Nova Scotia frequently. My son lives up there, and so I go up the airline road, which runs from Bangor to Calais. Uh, Once you get like six miles outside of Bangor, headed towards Calais, Maine, you don't see too many people. (laughs) Okay. When you say southern Maine, when does it become central Maine, if someone's not from around the area? It'd be a subjective call, but I'd say you get above Portland and Lewiston, you're getting into central Maine, and your last city is Bangor, which is a great city in its own right. It has an international airport there, but different flavor altogether than York County, which is one of the higher populated, the second highest populated county in Maine. There's a different tax bite in Maine where you have an income tax in Maine and you don't have an income tax in New Hampshire and you have a sales tax in Maine and you don't have a sales tax in New Hampshire. However, your local property taxes tend to be lower in Maine because there is an income tax. From a financial standpoint, that's something to take into consideration when looking at both places. But quality of the waterfront properties in Maine can exceed that in New Hampshire. It all depends where you are. It's location, location, location. Exactly. So we know a little (laughs) bit about New Hampshire and Maine Mm -hmm. now. Now, let's talk a little bit about you. You know, we've said it in the trailer Mm -hmm. for the podcast that 47 plus years of experience. Tell me a little bit why you got into real estate and why you like helping people in this capacity. I got into real estate from an educational background. And so I've always been sort of a service-oriented person. And real estate is totally service-oriented business. You are, from the get-go, listening to your clients and trying to determine what's best for them, refining their search, trying to find a house that works for them, a community that works for them. So 
that would be the primary reason that I got into the business. And I just enjoy the whole practice of real estate, looking for property, listing and selling property, and working with my fellow co-brokes. I truly enjoy working with the other folks in real estate, the the stories that we can tell. I'm sure, which will be a whole episode in itself. Now, there's something a little more special about you when it comes to the numbers and really know what's going on with the stats. Tell me about that. Well, I came into the real estate business as a former math teacher as well. And I'm a statistical geek. I, uh, I love baseball and I love, love to compute averages and ERAs and, and so forth. So I've, I've applied that passion to being the chief statistician for the Seacoast Board of Realtors. And I've been keeping statistics for the board since about 2010, 2009. Okay. And we at one point worked with nine sample Seacoast towns. Now we've gone to 13 sample Seacoast towns. They're all in New Hampshire, which is a different market than Maine. Mm -hmm. And Uh, actually, that is going to be our second episode. We are going to talk about those 13 sample Seacoast towns. So you're the chief statistician, but you also have been the president of the Board of Realtors. Tell me a little bit more. Like, What else do you bring to the table? I was president of the Seacoast Board of Realtors and then president of the New Hampshire Association of Realtors. And I think that gives me an uh, appreciation for all the people that work in the business because you're working for them. When I was president of the Seacoast Board and actually the State Board, I wanted to have boards that were knowledgeable, relevant, and fun. And so I initiated programs that made the boards just that way. And one of the things that makes the Seacoast Board particularly relevant and actually makes people listen to us all over the state and sometimes outside of the state are the statistics that we've been keeping locally because nobody has that sort of history that they can go back to and show comparisons over the last, you know, since 2010, 2009, which really show the dramatic changes in the sales process. It's a scientific way of measuring appreciation. It's a dramatic way of looking at the number of sales that have been happening month over month. One statistic comes to mind that really shocked me this past month was the fact that we had just over 100 or so listings in the 13 sample Seacoast towns in the month of September, which was an all-time low for the month of September since we started keeping records. And that actually was about less than half of what we had last September. So that gives you an idea of, of how acute the inventory shortage is. But having said that, I also like to say that, you know, we've seen some sales records actually set month over month as well. And what happens is now with the, the inventory shortage, property comes on the market and it's gone in a heartbeat. It's gone in 24 hours or less, so it can't become inventory. It's gone. So you need to keep that in mind. Well, that leads me to my next question then. Let's talk market numbers and what's the mindset right now? If I said, John, I want you to help me find a house, what would you tell me right now? Well, the first thing I would say is before we go marching forth onto the real estate market, that we pre-qualify ourselves, that we go to a bank and get a letter of pre-qualification. I would also, if I'm cash, I'd have a letter from, uh, I'd have a person that I could contact, my financial person, so that when I'm getting ready to purchase, I can get that letter quickly that says, I have the funds to pay cash for this property. And cash is right now is king. Many, many deals are being done that way. 
but there are other creative financial processes going on that, that are too lengthy for me to get into, mm-hmm. but there are. And the bottom line is you just need to have your ducks in order because the chances are when you make an offer on something, there's going to be other people there at the table doing that. So the second thing, when you talk about the market going out into the marketplace, is to be aware, my statistics, I think the, the, most, the most important statistic that is out there, I think, is the median sale price of a single family home right now. Because the closer you are to the median sale price, the more offers you're going to see, the more competition you're going to see. So you have to be prepared to be aggressive and to go for it if you really want a property. You can't just dip your toe into the water. You've got to be ready to, to jump. The further away from that median level, when you're going to the higher end, the allegedly the competition would be a little less, but it's very aggressive in its own right. For example, if you're, if you're looking at a property at the median price level, which right now is about 650 for the 13 sample seacoast towns. So if you're looking at a, a property in that price range or less, you're probably going to be competing against seven or eight other offers at least. And they're going to be cash. They're going to have escalation clauses. They're going to have all kinds of fun things and love letters attached. <laughs> You've heard about. In fact, I've, for the first time, I've seen brokers saying we will not be presenting love letters to our sellers. They don't want to be cluttered up with emotional letters. So on the other end, on the high end, if you're looking at a property that's over a million dollars, that would be in the, uh, I'm talking, that's the high end, you might not have 10 offers, but you're going to have four, maybe three or four intense offers, which are going to be probably cash, no home inspection, no contingencies. It's so far, the, the market does not favor buyers but I think you need to be working with someone that helps you understand the process and understand what the competition is like and is out there <laughs> sword on sheath and their shield up and help you in this battle, which can be fun as well. It doesn't have to be a war. But but you would tell advice <clears throat> if a young couple with a couple little kids and mm-hmm. they don't have $650,000, you would not tell them to just give up. You would, you would still no. say, get in there and try. I'd say get in there and try, and I would say, you know, it, I'd be trying to look at a, in communities at their price point, they would have upward mobility. So let's just say they're in a community around here where the median sale price in that community might be 450 or something like that, and they qualify for a, up to 600 or qualify up to 550. That's the community they want to be in because that would give them competition when they make an offer to go higher. They basically need to be patient as well. Because they need to be patient. Many offers might end up getting it's taken by somebody else then. And the process could take a year. It could take a year. Although right now we, you read about homes taking longer to sell. And there may be some truth to that. You're seeing some price adjustments. At, at one point, a property went on the market and you just didn't question the sale price, no matter how outrageous it was. You just made an offer and Sometimes it, you'd be offering 5, 10, 30% over ask to get the property. It doesn't make sense. We're getting slowly back to reality and to the process making more financial sense. Okay. But uh, I like to say that the instead of the stove burner being on high, it's probably on medium high. And also 
let's face it, the weather's getting colder. Not so many people are out there looking, but mm -hmm. it's still a very hot market, very hot market. And another thing, too, I would quickly add that people say, well, nobody buys real estate in December or January. Well, in fact, they do buy real estate in December and January. And sometimes those little gems on the real estate market come on in those months because of life. Situation develops where somebody has to sell in January or February or December. And it's important to be there and be tuned in and be ready to pounce when those properties come on the market, because they do. Do you ever get snowed out? Like you want to <laughs> take somebody somewhere, but it, you can't get there. <laughs> I will say that New Hampshire actually is getting a little warmer than it was. And you know, this would sound maybe outrageous to somebody who lives in Phoenix, but I would submit to you that our climate in New Hampshire is, is very livable. Uh, you can be outside enjoying outside activities year round, basically, but easily uh, from the end of March right through November, depending on your tolerance of 40 cold. and 50 degree weather and cold. But it, it's, it's not, a, knock on wood, we've had some warm winters. Last winter was quite warm. We do get snowed out, but uh, it's not like the, I, I keep waiting for that Courier Knives uh, winter to come along. And, <laughs> and it hasn't. And come back, yeah, because there's nothing better than uh, crackling fire and looking at the snow out in the window and the dog uh, snoozing there by the fireplace. Typical New Hampshire portrait. Mm -hmm. And uh, mostly you're looking out at semi-bare ground these days. <laughs> so, right. All right. Family fun fact. What's something people might not know about you and uh, something that's interesting? Well, a family fun fact. I do every once in a while, some people may not know this, but every once in a while I do a historic walking tour of downtown Portsmouth. This is John Rice's own walking tour. I use some historical facts, but I also blend in my experience on the Historic District Commission. I was uh, on the Historic District Commission in Portsmouth for 17 years. And when I begin the tour, I say, you're looking at the real McCoy here. My great, great, great grandfather, however, goes back. He actually was on the George Washington Welcoming Committee in 1789. We actually, my family actually came here in the early 1700s. So I'm not a carpetbagger. I'm actually a real Portsmouth guy, but I have lived around the country because like real Portsmouth people, I have a Navy connection and Navy folks get transferred all around the country. So I'd like to quickly add that I, I have lived other places, but I've, I came home to Portsmouth. Beautiful. Okay. Next episode, next quarter, we're going to talk about the 13 sample seacoast towns and beyond. We're going to talk about those towns that you said are in New Hampshire, but we'll also talk about some of the southern Maine options as well. We'll also talk about how you don't have to be a traditional Sotheby's buyer if you want to live here. John can help you find the home you are looking for. It might right. take a while, but he can help you. Right. right? I, if you can tolerate a 20 to 25 minute commute to Portsmouth or the, the Seacoast area, there are homes in, in all kinds of price ranges. So it, affordability is there. Competition is still there, but there are homes to be found in all price ranges. And it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Okay. I've actually been dealing with some buyers this past week who thought moving here was impossible. I went online with the idea of what was available in all of Rockingham County or and Stratford County and York County, and then eliminated towns that were more than 25 minutes away. And I came up with 60 listings. So, I mean, there you go. Well, that's very good news. Well, in the meantime, you have a wonderful holiday season coming Thank up. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to Seacoast Real Talk with John Rice. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are published quarterly. For help with your podcast, find Modcast Productions on the web at modcastproductions.com.